Welcome to Success in Medicine. I'm Dr. Samir Desai. In the last episode of our Success in Medicine podcast, I had the great opportunity to interview Dhruv Gupta. Dhruv is a fourth year medical student at St. George's University, and he recently received some fantastic news. He got into psychiatry residency. And in part one of our two-part series with Dhruv, we had a chance to explore how Dhruv developed an interest in psychiatry, how he was able to explore the field in more depth as an SGU medical student, and his experiences as a student during his court clerkship in psychiatry at the University of Miami. Drew was able to confirm his interest in psychiatry and then decided to complete several OA rotations. And in part one of our series, he talked to us about the decision to do these OA rotations, how he decided where to do them, and offered us some excellent tips on how to deliver an outstanding performance as an OA rotator. In today's episode of the Success in Medicine podcast, we are going to continue our conversation with Dhruv with a focus on the letters of recommendation as well as the residency interview as it relates to the psychiatry residency selection process. Dhruv will discuss how to obtain strong letters of recommendation from psychiatry faculty and how to effectively partner with your letter writers to make sure that certain key items find their way into your letters. We're also going to spend a significant amount of time discussing the psychiatry residency interview. We'll go over everything, starting with the challenges Dhruv experienced when he scheduled interviews, to some of the experiences he encountered at pre-interview dinners, and we'll talk a lot about the questions that he was asked at these different interviews. For example, how did Dhruv handle the situation? What are your three weaknesses? when he only had two that came to mind. And you'll also hear how Dhruv responded when one interviewer asked him to act out three different psychiatry scenarios. I want to also talk to you about letters of recommendation because when students are rotating through psychiatry, they're, they're obviously continuing to explore the field and to confirm their interest in the specialty, but they also have this other goal, and that is to secure strong letters of recommendation for their residency application. I want to ask you about your psychiatry recommendation letters. How many letters did you obtain from psychiatry faculty, and do you have any recommendations for students seeking to obtain these strong letters? Yeah, I mean, I had gotten two letters from psychiatry faculty members. One was from the attending I worked primarily with at the University of Miami Jackson Behavioral Health Center. And another was from another location where I did an elective in psychiatry. And I think in terms of recommendations when asking for a letter, I think it's great to be able to form a strong sense of rapport with your attending as well and for them to get a sense that you work hard and you are interested in the field and would be able to make an impact in the field but also at the same time if they if you are if you're close enough with your attending over time which i felt i was always able to do with my attendings over my rotations was you could ask them specifically if okay if they could include 
if they could include a certain thing in your letters. For instance, I speak Spanish, having lived in Venezuela. I asked my attendings if they could please write in my letters, especially having been in Miami, where I was able to speak in Spanish with a lot of the patients, and that helped the team a lot, was to include that, that I was able to communicate in Spanish with my patients without any but without much difficulty or any difficulty actually and and that I believe or I hope they mentioned in the letter and additionally what else can be done is oftentimes attendings have really busy schedules and sometimes they will offer you to write the letter and then send it to them where they will edit it and then they will send it out and I think that's a great opportunity while it really is a challenge on how to I mean writing a letter for yourself one of my psychiatry letters was written by me. I wrote it and then it was edited by my attending and then it was uploaded. And in that sense, you're able to really spend some time on the letter and write the things that psychiatry programs really value. And I would recommend, I mean, if that's an opportunity being given that where you can write your own letter, then you should take it by all means. Or even perhaps if an attending says that they have a really busy schedule and they're not sure if they can get it in on time, offer that, what if I write it and then you could edit it and send it out? These are some very excellent points that you raised, Drew. I think that so many times applicants ask for a letter recommendation, but you can do so much more than just asking for it. What you want to do is you want to make it as easy as possible for the letter writer to write this very, very strong letter for you. And that all goes back to that relationship that you build with this doctor. And if you can build that strong relationship, you know, you'll be even more comfortable just talking to the doctor about some of the things in your background or some of your skills that you think programs would find very attractive. In your case, you know, you had strong command of the Spanish language, and obviously that would be a very much considered an, an asset to so many programs around the country where we have such large Spanish-speaking populations. Yeah, and I think that really did help me. I think even over my away rotations, that was noted that I was able to speak without any difficulty in Spanish and interview patients and that, and that was valued. So I think I feel almost every applicant has something unique or something that they can ask an attending to bring about in their letter or Perhaps also when you request a letter, for instance, you can have a brand phrase where if you were to be described in a few words, what would you be? And I can't remember exactly what I had said for mine, but I think went along the lines of being a hard worker, being a leader and being dedicated and ask that to relate in your letter as well, because if all your application or if all your letters can relay that point that goes far ways in showing that different people across your letters or your application are consistently saying that this person is hardworking, diligent, and displays leadership qualities as well. I want to talk now about the the application, and it can be so difficult to decide where to send your application. There are so many different psychiatry residency programs how did you decide where to apply? I think in terms of being a Caribbean student, an international medical medical graduate, and a non-U.S. citizen as well, 
we advise the SGU to go ahead and apply to as many programs as possible. Oftentimes, up to 300 programs. Some students apply to well more well more than that. And when I came to the list of psychiatry, I think there were maybe a little over 200 programs that were available to apply to. And being an IMG and also an IMU citizen, as I mentioned, I went ahead and applied to most of the programs with the exception of a few in the sense where I researched all the programs I was going to apply to. And the way I did that was by going on to a website called Frida, which has all of the programs listed and provides an introduction to the program. And you can go to their websites after programs, individual websites, and look more. And what I looked for was if I did not meet the score cutoff or the minimum score requirement for that program to apply for, then I would not apply to that program. Another thing I looked at was, well, if they, because I would need a visa, if they do not sponsor any visas, then again, I would not apply to that program. And sometimes gathering this information means looking at Frida's website, emailing the program directors or calling them directly and asking them or asking the program coordinator. Aside from the logistics aspect, I also looked at areas in psychiatry that I'm interested in. I mentioned that I loved my internal medicine rotation as well. And I came across in over my research that there are about a dozen programs in the nation that are combined medicine and psychiatry. And I really felt that would be a great field to apply for as well, given my interest in both fields, and it helps provide more holistic care to patients. So I went ahead and applied to medicine and psychiatry programs as well. There are also family medicine and psychiatry programs as well that applicants can consider applying to if if they are interested in both family and in psychiatry. So it was just being able to go through this process of needing to apply to as many programs as I could, but also to make sure that the programs I was applying to do align with my interest in one way or another. So after applicants submit the residency application, it can be hard to wait. You know, you have to play that waiting game where you're checking every day, have have I gotten an interview? When did you receive your first psychiatry residency interview? I actually happened to submit my residency application two weeks after the first day you can submit your residency applications, I believe, which was September 15th. And that was because when I was in Miami getting ready to take my step two exam, step two CK, Hurricane Irma came down on us and we had to pack up and evacuate and that somehow delayed the application process slightly. But nonetheless, I believe I received my first interview just a couple days after I had submitted my application, which I was pleasantly surprised to have received because I was obviously worried because of what we've been told that everybody should submit their applications on the first day that they're able to. But I made sure that I took the time to fill out my application to my to to my best ability and I got my interview as I mentioned a few days after submitting it and I immediately accepted it and yeah I mean it was it was the interview at the program was wonderful as well 
Did you have any challenges with scheduling your interviews? In terms of scheduling interviews, I think the only difficulty I had at times was sometimes we had to reply back. Although there's ERAS has an email system that of its own, oftentimes the communication would take place through ERAS. Some programs required that we emailed at a different email and at other times they required that we email back through the ERAS system. So it was needing to make sure that it was replying back and the from the right place. And also a lot of times when we got these emails, we were with patients or I was in with patients during my clinical rotations. And that's difficult to step aside from a patient interview to reply. But right after I would be done, I would just ask our attendings that I just got an invitation. Can I step aside to reply? And most of them were very, very understanding to that. So really, as long as you're able to reply back as soon as possible so that you're able to secure your spot, you should be fine. I think there wasn't any other challenge besides that. Did you attend any pre-interview dinners? And if so, what were the, these events like? I actually attended a number of pre-interview dinners. Most of the interviews I had actually had a pre-interview dinner the night before. And really, I mean, although all of the emails that we got for the pre-interview dinner stated this is a very social, very casual event where we want you to be comfortable asking us any questions and just get to know the program better. The residents that attended the dinners, they were attend they were assessing the caliber of the applicants they would be interviewing the next day. So it's important to make sure that although they say be casual, ask anything you'd like to, that you are actually asking the right questions and presenting yourself in the right manner. And dinners, sometimes they would ask us questions regarding why psychiatry, why are you interested in the program? And at other times there was no such question till the interview day itself, but it was just about asking where, what the area is like, or what are the unique features of the program. And it was a great opportunity to gather information about the program prior to the interview from the residents. And then the following day, bring it up on interviews, mentioning, I spoke to Dr. Smith last night, and he mentioned that the program has a great outreach program, which particularly aligns with my own goals of serving patients in a community-based setting. And in, in that sense, it was a great avenue to gather a lot of information and also get to know the residents a little bit ahead of time as well. And for the most part, I mean, I felt comfortable during my dinners and I really made an effort to speak with the residents and the applicants. And at one interview, there were some attendings as well. And it's important that I, I thought that I spoke both with the residents and with the attendings and not just with the other applicants, which sometimes does happen, but really it's all about getting to meet and network with the program's residents and the attendings that are there to to socialize with. I want to ask you one more thing about these pre-interview dinners. Did you ever see anything at these events from the standpoint of either the other applicants or the residents that were unusual or funny or strange, anything that made you feel uncomfortable? I think there was one particular interview, I can't remember where it was, but it was a large group of, I think there were eight of us at the dinner, and 
in general, what I really appreciated was while while you're at a restaurant, obviously there are others eating on other tables and it can get somewhat loud. And to be able to speak, you have to project your voice, which is fine. But what residents tend to do is they tend to spread out on the table rather than sitting right next to each other so that different people sitting seated at different ends of the table can still communicate with one of the residents. I think at one of the programs, the residents sat directly across from each other and so essentially the people around them in the center of the table were able to speak and communicate with them but those on closer to the ends of the table had a harder time communicating with them because they were positioned in a way where they were hard to reach and I'm sure it was unintentional but it was it was just one of the challenges that I had during that particular interview where I had to reach I felt like it was reaching across the table to speak with a resident or to get to know them better. And another thing that I found somewhat amusing of one of my interviews was there was an applicant who most of these meals, actually all of the meals are paid for. They are, they're free and even the beverages you order, even that beverages that are ordered, they're paid for as well at most times is that just because the meal is paid for doesn't mean that you should order whatever you want. I've had I had an instant I think there was an there was an applicant who I think had ordered a bit too much of but too much of the food and after finishing his food he went around and ate leftovers from others as well and it just came off somewhat comical and I'm not sure if that's something that you should do at an at an interview dinner or not, but to me it just felt like maybe it shouldn't have been done. And and they weren't his friends, right? It wasn't his uh, buddy that he was eating off of. It was <laughs> no, it was just it was just people we were all meeting for the first time, even like leftovers from plates of residence. And it was actually at my very first interview, at my very first pre-interview dinner as well. And yes, the food was great and the restaurant was nice, but I wouldn't have done that because although it's a casual dinner, it, I feel we are being assessed as applicants and I'm not sure what sort of a message that relays. And I'm not sure, but if I'm not mistaken, he may have actually ordered another entree to bring back with him as well for um, the following day. Well, that that's an amusing story. That's one that I haven't heard from other people. So it's one to file away for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was unique, but I gathered from that. I'm definitely, definitely not to do that. And the residents were really professional. I mean, they, they didn't, they didn't relay any sort of a message in that sense. I just felt like they made a mental note and they moved on. Well, I want to talk to you now about your interview day. What were your interviews like? Being an IMG, I didn't have as many interviews as I would have wanted to, but I definitely had a good number. I had eight interviews, and the interview day essentially almost entailed, at one point or another, touring the facility that you would be doing a residency at, getting to know the people who are there, and that started at the pre-interview dinner, and then the following day, you would have interviews and the and the program director, associate program director would speak about the program and then also just at the end get some closing information before you leave. 
a traditional interview that I had perhaps was in the mornings. We would have anywhere from three to, I believe, six or eight interviews at a program, and they would last. I mean, some lasted longer, some were not as long. The prayer program where I had six interviews, each of the interviews lasted 25 minutes, and they were back-to-back. And after the interviews, there was a lunch with the residents, and we attended a grand round seminar as well, and then had lunch with everybody, and then had a closing at the end of the day, and that was the day. And in terms of who interviews you, I always felt that the program director and the associate program director would always be two of the faculty members who would be interviewing all of the applicants. And some of the interviews were really casual, some were a little formal, some were non-traditional, but some rather challenging questions as well. And I and I think the best thing to go about during the actual interviews is even if you are not sure of an answer that you say that let me think about it and I'll come back to it rather than just staying on it, thinking about it for a long time. I remember a particular experience where a common question asked is, what is your greatest weakness? But I was asked to list three weaknesses and I had, I mean, I had thought of two, but I couldn't think of a third one at the time. So I requested, what is, would it be okay if I came back to the third one? And over the course of my interview, as I was answering other questions, I noted for third weakness and I brought it up right after answering that question. And that was noted as well. And otherwise I felt there were some behavioral questions as well in the sense of what would you do if, if you had a senior resident with senior resident and he was making a clinical decision with which you're not in agreement with, how would you approach that scenario? Or you have a patient who is particularly difficult or not willing to work with you, how would you approach that? And I also had an interview where instead of an actual conventional interview, there were the interviewer, I believe she was a resident, a a chief resident, she put on three cases, three cases of a patient. She was, I believe, depressed in the first scenario. She was um, a a drug-seeking patient in the second scenario, and third, she asked me to do a mental status exam on her. And it was about, during the process, I was asked to interview the patient and communicate with the patient in addition to the other questions that I was asked, being asked about myself. And at this particular program, the interviews lasted. Each of them were about, I would say, 40 to 50 minutes at least. That's very interesting about the interview that you had with the chief resident. And just to clarify, was she playing a role with you during the interview? Yeah, she was. So she would she would put on, she would present as a depressed patient. I know that that one, the first case she put on was, she was the depressed patient and she said, now interview me. And I had to, and that was very different from any of my other interviews, but I had to do that. And it was all right. I just had to remind myself I've done that with patients in the past. So I'm going to use the same set of skills that I've used in the past to do so now. And she didn't just stop there. You said that she played the roles of two other types of patients. Yeah, she did as well. So she was a drug-seeking patient in the next scenario and who was insisting that he be prescribed 
medical marijuana, I believe, if if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, or if it was some sort of a pain medication, and kept insisting. And even though, despite my efforts of trying to explain that it's not medically warranted and that I'd not have the ability to prescribe it, just kept going. And at one point, I think they were just looking for me to say, which I did, was, I am sorry, I'm not able to help you any further with this. It is not medically warranted. And I can offer you other means of taking care of the complaints that you have. And the last one was where I believe she had put on a case, a role of a patient who was acutely agitated or experiencing psychosis and had asked me to do a mental status exam on her, go through, speak to her, and then give her a mental status exam as to what is her mood like, what is her affect like, her thought process, her cognition, her memory, her judgment, her eye contact, just essentially run down a mental status exam and give her what the sort of, sort of role the patient was, sorry, she was putting on. I can imagine that when you were in this interview and she decided to go in this direction, it probably came as a surprise. Oh, yeah, it definitely did, because this was my last interview as well. And this it was the last program I was interviewing at. And I think it was my second or third interview that day. And I definitely did not expect that in any means. And but it came came at me. And I mean, I just did the best I could at the end. She actually offered feedback at the end of each of the scenarios, letting me know what I did well and what I could do better on as well. So it wasn't just just taking in what I was doing. I want to also ask you about some of the questions you encountered. You've already shared with us some of these questions, but what are some of the other difficult or unusual questions you experienced? I think one particularly difficult question I had at the time was I was asked during my first interview, actually it was my interview, my first, the first program I interviewed at, I was asked, how do you deal with negative counter-transference towards patients? And that's a very specific question. And that's something over time when I asked attendings in the future, that's something a lot of people in psychiatry struggle with because patients can be very difficult to work with and you build some negative counter-transference towards them. And at the time, I mean, I came up with a case or an example in which I had some sense of negative counter-transference towards the patient I worked with. And I spoke about how I dealt with that situation. I think that, and and then I prepared after that interview how I would answer this question better if it comes up again. So whenever I had a difficult question, as soon as I could after the interview process, I wrote it down and then developed a better answer for it. Another place I think that was asked, what is your favorite spirit animal? And honestly, I didn't know what a spirit animal is. I, I didn't know what it was at that point. So I just answered stating very honestly, I'm not sure what a spirit animal is, but I really do like dogs and hope to have a dog at some point in my life. And um, that was another question just because I didn't know what a spirit animal is. And Thinking of other difficult questions, I already mentioned being asked to list three weaknesses rather than one that's, that was asked at other programs. And yeah, I think those are some of the more difficult questions that I had encountered that I could think of right now. I think 
another one I believe was just the situation where I was asked, how would you approach working with a resident who is, or a senior resident who's making a decision that you do not agree with, or would you reach your, reach out to your attending, or would you re- speak to the resident first, or how would you go about doing that? And another interesting question actually I had was, which threw me off actually, was how do you feel about treating black patients? It was straight up asked to me, how do you feel treating black patients? And it threw me off, but I kept my guard and I just answered saying that much the same way I would treat any other patient from any other uh, ethnic origin, just the way I treat Caucasians, Hispanics, South Asians. I mean, there should be no difference. And that was that. So did that interviewer who asked you about your spirit animal, did that interviewer ever shed any light on what that spirit animal is? No, she she did not. We moved on to the next question. I looked up after what it was. And, and what did you find out about spirit animals? Well, like it's the animal that you feel closest to or you align most with. I think that's the sense that I got when I looked it up, which I felt in that sense, if I said I really do like dogs or I can associate with them, it's in, in the sense I, in one way or another, I did answer her question, I suppose. I want to ask you about an a very important question that's asked at every interview and it has to do with why you are interested in our psychiatry residency program. Obviously programs are very interested in assessing whether applicants would be a good fit for their training program. So how did you go about answering this very important question? I think one of the things almost all programs ask, why are you interested in our psychiatry residency program? I may have had, of all the interviews I had, I may have had like one or two where that question wasn't asked. And the best way to do that is to extensively research the program to the best possible way before going into the interview. And the process starts a few days or maybe even a week or so before where you go through the website, find the features that resonate most with you, are unique or are features that other applicants may not really talk about. And it involves doing extensive research, not only on the program's website, but also making an attempt to reach out to residents in the program or graduates of the program as well. And I did that for some of the programs where I was able to find limited information on the websites. I reached out to alumni of alumni of the programs, emailed them or found their contact information on Doximity and reached out to them and I spoke to them. I remember one specific interview where I spoke to the chief resident prior to getting to the interview and she offered some great points that about the program, some of the great some of the strengths, some of the weaknesses and gave me a better insight into the program and allowed me to bring up those topics or those things during my interview. And another point, what you can do is oftentimes programs provide a well, have a welcome session prior to the interviews. And at that point, the program director will, or anybody who's presenting will speak about the strengths of the program or the various different electives they have to offer. And a lot of time that information can be used as well to to relay why you're interested in your psychiatry residency program. Remember, there was one program in specific where they spoke about a particular, during the orientation, about an elective that deals with culinary medicine and how that is essential 
to psychiatry because a lot of the medications that are prescribed alter metabolism and that resonated well with me with my own interest in cooking and I brought it up during an interview and it was I feel it was looked upon positively because it was a specific aspect of the program. You mentioned that you tried very hard to reach out to people who had ties to the program, either current residents or graduates. When you were trying to reach out to graduates, how did you go about doing that and any advice that you can offer? I guess the advice I could offer is start early with that process of reaching out to alumni, maybe even like two or three weeks ahead of time, because if you recognize after after residency, the graduates are attending and they're really busy with their schedules. And the first time I did that, I didn't allow for enough time. Maybe I contacted them a week ahead of time and wasn't able to reach anybody. But when I tried to do that a couple of weeks ahead of time, they were more than willing to speak to me or write back to me in an email. And in terms of gathering their contacts, you just go to Google and you can write the program's name, the specialty, and then doximity and look look them up. Or you can go through the, sometimes programs have a list of their own alumni. You go through that list and then see if you can reach out to them or find an email. And oftentimes you get routed to hospital operators and you have to tell them specifically why you're calling or why you want to speak to the attending that you would like to to their office staff and they help you they help you get in touch with them and sometimes the attendings get back to you or the staff is able to help you get access to them and other times they don't and that's why I think it's important to reach out to multiple graduates or multiple residents from the program because some you'd be able to reach and others you may not be just because they're busy with their own schedules. During your interviews, were you asked to present a psychiatric patient that you found interesting? And do you have any advice for students who are preparing answers to this question? Yeah, I mean, I actually got asked to talk about a compelling patient case at multiple interviews. And I talked about a case from my psychiatry elective from fourth year where during my inpatient rotation where I worked with a specific patient who was non-compliant with her treatment and she was well familiar with the department. She kept being brought back in to the inpatient unit. She had a diagnosis of bipolar disorder and I think also schizophrenia and she was just non-compliant with her medications outside and these staff had really just thrown up their hands up in the air in terms of what to do with the patient because during during her stay, she would be stabilized over the course of a few days and then right as she went out in a day or two, she would decompensate and then she'd be Baker acted and brought back into the facility. And And I talked about that case because I was able to work with this patient with permission of the attending to really understand what was going on as to why she was refusing to take her medications or long-acting injectables. And in talking to her one-on-one one day, I was able to establish this relationship with her. I got to know her better and understand her concerns to realize that she was refusing medications because she felt that taking these medications are a violation of her human rights or would alter her personality. And 
I knew that she was a, a researcher in the past. She's a graduate of the University of Miami herself with a master's degree and was very well integrated into society prior to her illness. And I had learned some about motivational interviewing over the course of my master's and also during my clinical rotations. And I tried to use that to see if I could gather some research and bring it to her regarding long-acting injectables or taking antipsychotics and sit down with her and go through the benefits and the risks as well, and which I did the following day with her. And somehow, at the end of going through these lists of benefits and and risks that she would have from taking an from taking a Haldol decanate shot, she ended up agreeing to take it. And and I found out later through other medical students who were rotating that she hadn't come back in for a few weeks actually, and that was a tangible contribution that I made to the unit, to a particular patient, and that was well cherished by the staff members and the attending. And I felt like I contributed in some way to a patient's care. And I brought brought up that particular case to discuss because obviously I was able to make an impact in this patient's care, but also because it relates to the program director or whoever's interviewing me that this individual actually will spend the time to work with the patient one-on-one -on -one and try to get to understand them and will really do this even for our patients and our program. So it goes on to relate that the past is, is predicting basically how an individual would do in their program as well. And I think that was a reason why I chose to specifically bring up that case what I really like about your choice of case to share is not only is it an interesting and challenging case, but as you said, it really highlights some important contributions that you made to that patient's care and really also points out some of the qualities that, that you would bring. And, and when you're discussing a case like that and incorporating that into your answer, it really feels to the interviewer like that's what you would do for them. And that's what's so nice about the approach that you took. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why I really brought up that case. And I also fall, let them have a look inside of my mind as to my thought process as well. Like I offered, I spoke to them about what I was thinking through the process to really let them know what my motivation myself was or what my goals were in terms of being able to work this, with this particular patient and to help her and that I had a genuine interest in her case. Dhruv, you're someone who has done a lot of research in the field. That goes all the way back to your undergraduate years. I want to ask you if programs inquired about your past research and also ask you what advice you would offer to students on how to answer questions about their research. I had a few programs that asked me about my research, most certainly, and the way I presented it was in a similar way I spoke about my research earlier on, and oftentimes they wanted to see whether or not I'd be interested in pursuing research in the future as well. And I somehow tried to tie my research experiences with a particular faculty member's research interests in the program, and that I did by looking up the type of research faculty members were involved in at, at their program and also perhaps looking up on PubMed or just doing a Google Scholar search on 
bad attendings, recent publications. And once you do that, you're able to tie it in. And really, I know that, for instance, at program, I talked about my work with synthetic opioids and work and trying to see how how opioids could be synthesized or the decreased abuse potential. And I know know that there was another faculty member at the program who worked with opioids. And I, and I mentioned at the end of it, I know that Dr. Dr. Jones is also involved here in the program with opioids. And I would love to be able to have an opportunity to work with her and further my knowledge in this field and see how I could further my own interests in this area. So I think it's important to whatever you're discussing at the end to tie it back to the program in some way or another. And in terms of being able to offer any advice to students who are asked about their research, I think just talk about it genuinely and think it's important to discuss not only what you did, but what sort of an impact did it have on you? What did you learn from that experience? What skills did you gather from it? And what sort of knowledge that you gathered that you previously did not have? For instance, my own work with on my um, honors thesis introduced me how to write IRBs, how to statistically analyze data. And those were those are skills that are essential, especially if in a residency program, you'd be gathering data and you'd be analyzing analyzing and producing results. So always emphasize the skills you have gathered and somehow in one way or another, if at all possible, bring it back to the program and to their own activities or other research experiences that are being taken that are taking place there. At some point in the interview, the interviewer will invite the applicant to ask questions. Do you have any tips on what applicants can ask? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important. I think one question that I found myself asking consistently was to the program director or any faculty member is asking how with their program or what changes do they anticipate in their program in the next five or six or seven years, depending on however long the residency is, because for the next four or five years, for for instance, in my case, before years for psychiatry residency, I would ask how would the program change in the next five years to get a better sense of the stability of the program and specifically ask, will there be any changes in the leadership? Will there be changes in the curriculum or the sites you will be rotating at or faculty members? I think it's a great way to get the interviewer know that you are deeply thinking about their program, but also gather information on the stability of the program so that you know that wherever, when you're ranking your list, that the program is stable. Another question I would ask or would be pertaining to my own interest, I have an interest in being able to teach in the future. And it's questions offer this unique opportunity to bring up a topic that you're interested in that you weren't able to talk about during your interview. and and hone in on it. For instance, I would say I have an interest in teaching what sort of experiences will I have the ability to partake in at the program to further my teaching skills or further my leadership skills. So you can always bring back some of your own qualities that you weren't able to speak about before in questions and inquire more about them. And um, always have a good number of questions ready. Sometimes at the end of interviews, there was very few, that was very limited time to ask questions. So we only have only time for one or two questions. But at other times, 
I have had interviewers who opened up with, do you have any questions for me right away? And I would ask one question and then, all right, do you have another question? And then they would ask, do you have another question? And then do you have another question? So it went going down. So, I mean, it's wise to have at least a good eight to 10 questions prepared. I think that this particular interview after the fourth question that I asked and they answered back, we proceeded on with the interview at that point. So questions don't necessarily happen at the end of the interview. It can happen at the very start as well as as per my experience. Drew, any final recommendations for students interested in psychiatry as a career? I think psychiatry is a great field and it's have a lot of different branches. I think people who are students who are interested in psychiatry should really make an effort to explore the different branches as well by doing electives in the field. I think that offers further insight into whether or not they actually want to go into psychiatry and whether and also as to which of these branches would they be more interested in in the long term. I think that's that's really important. Also, like I mentioned in my own case, if you if the applicant's an IMG or an annual citizen and it is thereby harder to get a residency position to go ahead and schedule some away rotations as well at a site where their students from their school have matched it previously and then put in their best effort there and have make a good positive impression there as that can go far ways in terms of securing you a spot. In psychiatry, I think one thing I should have mentioned was be able to express yourself very, very well because communication is something that all programs I feel really emphasize not only how you communicate verbally, but also in terms of writing. I've had, I had a number of interviews where I was asked to write. There were responses that we had to write to one where we were given a prompt and three pages to write on. So be prepared to write as well. And in terms of your, as far as your personal statements go, just the ability to write because we're writing a lot of patient notes and they have to be thorough. Just just relate, prepare a solid personal statement without any sort of grammatical errors. That is highly valued, I believe, in psych as well. Drew, thank you so much for this fantastic information that you've shared with us. And I am sure that all of this information is going to be very, very helpful for those students out there that are considering a career in the field, as well as those students who are have decided that uh, psychiatry is their calling and are embarking on this process of applying and interviewing for residency positions. And I, I want to end by just sharing your good news because you recently received some good news. Yeah, I actually did. I actually, after my first away rotation at um, Elmhurst Hospital, I interviewed there and the day after I interviewed I was actually offered a position there to join their residency program and I accepted it and I think my month-long away rotation in their psychiatry emergency room and their CPAP really made an impact in terms of me being able to get that position where some of the attendings I worked with wrote a letter to the program director without me asking them recommending me and also, I accepted the position because I absolutely enjoyed being there. They have a great diversity of patients, and I felt the people I worked with were incredibly approachable, and the program and the faculty members there are willing and willing to work with 
residents to help them achieve their personal interests and professional goals. Congratulations to you and thank you again for this very, very eye-opening information about psychiatry. And I would love to have you back on the Success in Medicine podcast in the future. Thank you so much, Dr. Desai. Thank you for having me and thank you for wishing me. And I would love to be back on another episode. And if anyone has any further questions, I'd be happy to reply to those as well. Thank you again. Best of luck, Drew. Take care. Thank you, Dr. Desai. This brings to an end our two-part podcast series with Dhruv Gupta about getting into psychiatry. You'll also want to check out the Psychiatry Residency page of our website where we go over other recommendations for success. You can access that at thesuccessfulmatch.com. And as another reminder, we also have over 150 pages of detailed interview preparation in our book, The Successful Match 2017. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, I'm Dr. Samir Desai.